ladies and gentlemen, welcome to these. Go to eleven once again. I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutch sitting across from me. Greg, how you doing tonight? Doing great, man. Doing great. Second podcast out of three for this week. Yeah, We're another on a, on, a, on a tear, man. But we're, we're, the day we're recording this, what seventy three degrees or something? I know. In early March, yep. balmy. Um, I think you had lunch outside, right, Nathan? I that did. was your outing. That was my outing. Mine was. I walked my seven-year-old daughter home from her elementary school, yep. which was uh, a third of a mile at best. <laughs> and then I think our other I win. Tonight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody a, wins. With here. a four-and-a-half-hour motorcycle ride home oh. from Lexington, Virginia. Nice. And yeah. it was nice. I bet. Yeah. I, I hooked bet. up with another rider for a while on I-81. So yeah. the two of us rode kind of side-by-side. And, uh, man, that was a lot of fun. Wow. What's this bug right here? Oh, uh, yeah. What is stink that? bug. That's a stink bug, stink isn't bug. it? Right. Yeah, you can just crush that or throw it away. See, th- see it exciting when we do this podcasting? I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Amazing. I know. Stink bugs are jumping on the table. It's good. <laughs> and so tonight our episode is Q&A, question and answer. A um, couple things uh, first, though. I um, want to say that we did get a question um, about apologetics from one of our regular listeners, Megan yeah. Bollinger. Um Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Appreciate it. We are actually not going to answer her questions. Sorry, Megan. <laughs> um, and actually, the reason why we're not going to do that is because uh, next month we're hoping to do two podcasts on her questions. Her questions all focused on apologetics. She had great questions. Um, yeah, they were. They were excellent. Um, I've had a former student recently contact me and ask me many questions, um, kind of around apologetics so um we're actually going to be doing hopefully two podcasts next month yeah that will that will center around apologetics yep. so awesome um that's when we will answer that awesome um but other than that we do have a lot of other questions that we're going to look at and um take care of today but first greg we have another caller unbelievable man we uh, somebody's got to put a stop to dave shive because the reverend james king has called in again, guys. The indefatigable Reverend yes, James the King. Indefatigable, yeah, whatever that was. <laughs> that I love that word, man. Yeah, it's That's great. Awesome. I can drop that in the conversation yeah, three times just this casually, week. Casually, yeah, put it in there. But uh, apparently, uh, as much as we try to keep these things tight-lipped, he found out that uh, we're doing a Q and A. And uh, there's a leak. There is a leak. Hmm. And uh, he called into our, you know, uh, these go to eleven voicemail. And look, we've always said we'll play these messages when they come, and so we got to play it. But I think he has some questions of his own, so here we go. Uh, it's uh, Reverend James King of the James King King James uh, Bible-believing, teaching, preaching ministries. Friends, my sources have told me that tonight these absolute amillennial heretical fools are actually going to do a question and answer night. Oh, friends, have you ever heard anything more absurd and ridiculous and blasphemous than this? <laughs> friends, that would be like preschoolers answering questions about rocket science if you <laughs> expect you're going to hear anything of any solid substance. Well, friends, I have some questions for these absolute fools in this Uh-oh. brain trust. Mm. I understand they've got their favorite regular guest on tonight, Steve Hartland. Uh-oh. I have some questions for you, Mr. Hartland. How is it that a 61-year-old man is still looking like an absolute fool (laughs) driving around on that ridiculous Harley-Davidson Devil's Chariot motorcycle? (laughs) Oh, my word. I hope you get used to the fumes coming out of that exhaust, Mr. Hartland. 
Because they don't hold a candle to the fumes and flames you're about to face when one day you get thrown right off that devil's chariot and hit a tree. Oh, your life on this earth ends. Oh, you get used to it. Why, Mr. Hartland? Are you still walking around (laughs) Pradley with your body dipped in all that devil's ink? Friends, look at him. This fool has more ink on him than a professional football player. (laughs) And uh, let me tell you this, that other fool does the podcast every week. Nathan Bell. Somebody pointed out I haven't gone after him yet. Friends, he's such an easy target. Nathan Bell. Let's ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for you. Friends, look up his, uh, whatever that fancy social media page is, uh, face space, whatever it's called. Look up his picture sometime. Uh, this fool has hair all the way down to his backside. Looks like a beatnik hippie. <laughs> That's the way Goblin has got their hair short and shorn. Clipped uh, right above the ear the way our Lord Jesus wore his hair. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and friends, what about that other fool, Greg, whatever his name is, Ducher? I don't know his name. <laughs> just hear Did his voice going on and on every week. I feel like I'm in a vomit. Just like our Lord will, the Laodicean church. Friends, which is nothing more than this podcast is a lukewarm pile of soon-to-be vomit. <laughs> Friends, if you look at that Greg Dutcher closely, uh, all the space around him is being gobbled up by what? You know what? More Greg Dutcher. <laughs> <laughs> and bigger and bigger and bigger than the Goodyear blip. Oh, man. Oh. My question for you is when... Are you going to run your mouth enough that it could actually convert to some calorie burn? <laughs> See, friends, those questions, there's no point in asking any of them to these idiots. Do you realize that at the King James Tabernacle, we have a question box in the back of our sanctuary? And that's where you get godly wisdom, because it only comes from me. That's right, the Reverend <laughs> James King. Recently, I was asked a question by a little boy in that church, a little Johnny Wilson, who was concerned. And he said, Reverend King, can you tell me what happened to my little cat whiskers just died i don't know some rare blood disorder who cares the kitty cat died and he wanted to know if his little fluffy kitty cat would end up on the streets of gold in heaven and i wrote him back i don't use the devil's communication email i use a pen and paper the way god intended and deliver it through the u.s of a mail and i wrote back said it always breaks my heart young johnny to tell young people this i'm not gonna lie to you your little kitty cat didn't go to heaven. He's not walking on streets of gold. Now, friends, I thought right there of stopping, but I wouldn't be serving young Johnny if I let him think that perhaps his little kitty cat ceased to exist. I told him the biblical truth. I said, see, Johnny, using Bible logic, we know that your little whiskers went straight to hell the moment he took his last tortured breath. See, using Bible logic, we know there's going to be a whole mess of people in hell. Now, most of them, of course, would be from California, and the others, I guess, would be Democrats. Of course, the lowest level in hell is populated by, you got it, Californian Democrats. Well, that's a whole mess of people, friends, that are going to need to be fed so they can be sustained through an eternity of torture at the hands of the loving God that they rejected. You see, I let little Johnny know that right now his little Kitty cat whiskers was no doubt being savagely torn apart by bloodthirsty heathens looking for their morning meal on the brimstone shores of the lake of fire. (laughs) See, we have to communicate the Bible's truth, friends, even to the young children in our midst. And if you have any questions, don't ask these fools on the anti-God cast. You ask the Reverend James King. 
Wow, man. Wow. He has spoken. He has. Steve, do you have any answers to his questions, man? The the riding the Harley and the... Yeah, I'd, I'd actually like a little more ink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd let him know that. Yes, yes. Uh. Wow, man. Well, uh, I don't know what to say to that. If you notice, he kind of asked Steve, by the time he got to you, Nathan, he, he didn't he really was, ask yeah. you anything. And he didn't ask me anything well, either. I forget. What did he ask me? Yeah, I think he asked you, uh, when are you going to realize what a fool you look oh, like? Or okay. Well, I've known that for a long time. I was going to say, you don't need to Reverend King <laughs> no, to say that. Right. Wow. Let's be real, though. I mean, there's really nothing he could have asked us that we would have answered seriously anyway. Yes. So. Yeah, or to his satisfaction for sure. So hopefully we have some other questions tonight, right? I, I think we got one or two. Yeah. Um, we're going to go ahead and actually we just um, – we just got one um, this past this past weekend, um, and you know we're such great podcasters here. I'm going to pull it up and read it. Yes. Um, so this one actually um, comes from Luke Fontaine. Uh-huh. Um, he's got a couple different parts to this. First one that he asks is um, in Matthew six when Jesus says, "Do not worry about." What will eat, drink, or wear? Look at the birds of the air and how the Lord provides. Are you more precious than they are? Um, So why is it that millions of people die of starvation? Was Mm. this verse only intended for Christians? If so, can a true Christian ever starve to death? That is a great question. (laughs) Can a true Christian ever starve to death? So great, Steve. I think think the Lord wants you to answer it, brother. (laughs) All right. It's an easy one for me, so I'm just going to let you take that softball and – I do have a thought or two, but yeah, same here. So to answer the last question, sure, uh, true Christians have starved to death, yeah, and burned at the stake and everything else. So um, there are general principles given us in Scripture about how how life goes and how God provides for His people, and the principles do not nullify the exceptions. There are exceptions to those principles. Some Christians go hungry. Yeah, I, I was at a uh, pastors' conference in the Dominican Republic. Uh, at a very large church in Santo Domingo, and there was a large group of Haitian pastors who were also at the conference. Of course, they only spoke Creole, and I only know English, so we had to speak via translators. But I was speaking to some of these Haitian pastors, and you could you could pick out who they were in the whole group. They were the really skinny ones. Wow. I, I'm not kidding. And they said via translator, um, it's really difficult for them to engage in much ministry because they spend most of the day every day trying to find food wow. for their children. Mm. Wow, man. So uh, does Matthew 6 mean, no, no, Haitian pastors should never have to struggle to find food. No, there will be people on the planet who love Jesus and will struggle to find food. Yeah. But there's a general principle there. You can know that your father loves you. He's caring for you. And, in, you know, generally, most cases... Food comes available. You don't have to be worrying, worrying, fretting, mm-hmm. anxious about it. Yeah. I think it also just what Jesus is trying to teach us certainly is not, you don't need to worry about food. Just like go out in, this, in the street, put your head up, open your mouth wide and say, feed me, Father. And, you know, roast duck will fall out of the sky. <laughs> right. No, you really do need to think, how am I going to provide for my family? What's my job? What's my training? What's my career? How am I doing? And all that stuff. But there's a comparison here. Uh, your interest in his kingdom should be so great that by comparison, you don't care about food. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when Jesus said, um, uh, except a man hate his father and mother, 
He cannot be my disciple. Does he really mean you're supposed to hate mm-hmm. your father and mother? Right. Now, but you're supposed to so love your heavenly father that it is, it is almost as if, by contrast, you hate your father and your mother. Right. But you're actually supposed to really love your father and your mother. Right. So you're actually also supposed to work hard to get food for your family, and that might involve some anxiety and anxious consideration. Yeah. Mm. What do you think? Uh, I completely agree, Steve. I, um, I, I think that's a really good point. Again, the general principle... Um, it reminds me of the question you get sometimes. Hey, you know, you, there's the parents. They've raised all their kids the same way. Yeah, they've made all the same mistakes, but they've done the same good things, presumably. Um, and you've got some kid that is walking with the Lord, and you have some kids that aren't. And people say, "But the proverb, the proverb says, uh, yeah. you know, raise a uh, you know a child in the way that he should uh, go when he's older. He won't let depart. He'll come back." And, you know, the, the question is, is that a a vending machine <laughs> promise. Mm-hmm. You, you you put the right stuff in, you always get the same result. Or is it more of a of a general principle? Uh, I know there's some maybe highly covenant theologians out there that that have perhaps a different take, but I I just submit that as my grasp of that concept. The only other thing I would add to it, Steve, which I think is just a, an additional layer to what you said. I, I'll test this out, see what you guys think. Um, this came up. I'm going through Acts right now in a in a uh, kind of retired men's Bible study. Love mm. hanging with these guys. Cool. I'm the youngest guy there, so I feel I feel young and <laughs> great vitality. Um, I'm never the youngest guy anywhere. <laughs> Dude, you know what? If you came to this study, you'd be the second youngest guy. Honestly, <laughs> wow. Honestly, median age maybe 71. Wow. My dad comes to it, which is a blast. Mm. Um, he's 75, and it's uh, this came up recently because we're going through the Book of Acts, and it's the question of. So, Greg, I mean, they they were fearless. It's almost like they were knew they they knew they were invincible. And I would say, interesting, they were <laughs> invincible within their sovereignly allotted time span. Mm. You get to Acts twelve, James is killed by Herod. He dies. He was not invincible. Yes. So you are invincible. As long as providence has dictated, mm-hmm. obviously we bring biblical balance. That doesn't mean, hey, you know, we test God. I'm going to run through traffic on I-95 and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, my sense is that God would have sovereignly orchestrated your own stupidity yeah. to time itself with His sovereign <laughs> plan with your death, and, and, and people can work that out. But I do think there is a sense in which some people may, in the mysterious providence of God, die of starvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not may, as you said, it has happened. It's documented Christians. So I say in the allotted time that we are given, we have what we need, mm-hmm. some far more than others. Oh, that's good. For that time. Yeah. So for I would say that is not a guarantee that there's always going to be food or every everybody that has cancer that's going to be healed. and we, We're all going to die at some mm-hmm. point. So in whatever that sovereign allotment of time is, obviously he is going to care for us. So to go to Steve's point... We can be free to make our greater investment into the kingdom with all the biblical balance you brought, Steve. Yes, we, we should know, how am I going to feed my kids? How's my wife and family going to have a roof over their heads? But to trust that those promises of God, until he calls me home, us home, he's going to do what he said. Yeah. That, that would be the only other Good. layer I'd add. Amen to that. Yeah. Great Good question, question Luke yeah. Fontaine. Yeah. I think Luke won a book, didn't he? I, I remember writing that in one of our... I think so, yeah. Tell us, Luke. But that yeah. was a really good question. You stole my answer. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Well, Nathan was going to say what I said, but far better. Yes. See? Not quite. That? 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so second question he had actually goes into um, this uh, <clears throat> group of people, this cult um, that seems to think that um, it, it's this black Hebrew Israelite cult. Yeah. Um, so that the the black people are the true Israelites, mm-hmm. the true Jewish people, the true chosen ones. Um, and, and Greg, you and I were actually talking a little bit about this um, offline. Some of their beliefs almost seem Rastafarian yeah. in, 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 in what they do just with this kind of religious twist to right. it. Right, like a kind of a perverse biblical – Spin. Yeah. Uh, how do we phrase it? Because you don't want to call it biblical, but right. they are appealing to the Bible, right. albeit in a in an unhelpful way uh, to justify their stuff. And honestly, Nathan, when when you sent me that question from Luke, and Luke, thank you for sending in it. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not even going to. I did not even know about this one iota until about 72 hours ago when Nathan sent me <laughs> Luke's email. Uh, so Steve Hartland. You know a thing about it or two, don't you? Or you've heard about it. I've only heard about it. I I wish I knew more about it. Uh, There's a young lady in our congregation. She is from, mm, I want to say Jamaica. I think she's Mm. Jamaican. Uh, Lover. Great, great girl. Um, And her father is part of this group. Okay. So she's often mentioned, you know, pray for me. I'm going to see my parents. I'm going to be around my dad. And he apparently is always trying to proselytize her into this movement or into this belief or something. But uh, apparently, I, I mean, I don't know if I have this right. I think I have this right. Some some of them actually claim like they are the physical descendants of Israel. That's what I read. Yeah. Like if you trace their lineage back, they're actually Israelites. Sure. Sure. And, and most of the characters, I mean, Jesus, uh, black man, uh, Moses, yes. Jer- Jeremiah, all, all the, the main players of the biblical narrative are, in yes. their view, black. Yes. Now, according to the young lady in, in our church, there's an awful lot of legalism in this whole thing. That mm-hmm. That is, there's a lot of uh, Judaism. There's a lot of uh, Old Testament Hebrew stuff that's just kind of imported because, you know, we're the Hebrews. Yep. We're, the, we're, we're the nation of Israel. So uh, not enough Jesus, not enough grace. They wouldn't like the last podcast. <laughs> with, with <laughs> with, uh, uh, Mr. Tullian, right. Yeah. Yes. I think it's a pretty recent phenomenon, isn't it? Didn't it happen like in the 19th century or something? Yeah, I mean, I I know as much as the few websites I've looked at. So I would, I would, I think in in Luke's question, didn't he say Matt Slick has a little information? Yes, I think uh, Luke may have said he has a half page. I looked. And this is my guess. Luke is that Matt Slick um, is that is he with Carm or Christian Answers? He's with one of the apologetics research websites, um, who I think comes pretty highly recommended. Had it looked to me like he had more like a, a three page article. I wonder if he's added some detail. I mean, like you just said, Steve, my general answer to this, I've never been. I think there's a role for the the cult expert. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think um, when I was a younger Christian, I got very excited by that stuff because I always find a conference that would cover cults and stuff. Uh, I think Walter Martin wrote the classic right in the 50s or 60s, The Kingdom of the Cults. cults. Um, So, sure, there can be some value to it. Um, it's so cliche, but I'm going to use it. It's the illustration every preacher gives. I gave it recently of the uh, treasury agents or the, or the secret service agents, whoever's responsibility it is to spot the fakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't learn the fakes because mm-hmm. they're always growing, always evolving, always multiplying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can learn some of them, 
But there's always, oh, there's a new splinter group. They don't quite agree with this. And so it can be exhausting and overwhelming. I say the Christian doesn't have to master all those cults unless maybe he's called to a very specific kind of ministry. Uh, but I think that's few and far between. But to, to master what is real mm-hmm. so that, hey, I know what the actual $50 bill looks like. I see Grant's picture on it. I know that these squiggly lines go here. I've studied this so well. That you could show me a thousand and one different phonies. I should be able to tell their phonies when I compare it to the original, mm-hmm. if I know it. So in that spirit, and I'm not saying Luke is un- sure. unduly interested in this group. He's probably had some experience and genuine curiosity, rightly so, as to why this group exists. I just say there's enough about it. I mean, they're fuzzy on the deity of Jesus. I, I, I believe they outright reject it. Um, it's clear, there's no heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, heaven is more of a metaphorical. There, there's a white heaven on this earth. This is what I've read because uh, they, um, the world is sort of dominated by white men. Um, some really supercharged, racially based, temporal here and now stuff that honestly, I just I can't imagine a brand new Christian reading the Gospel of John. Ever. And ever coming away with it. Ever. Yeah. You know? Yes. And that, to me, is that because they're looking at the real deal. Yes. The words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and thinking, mm-hmm. wait, this, this seems a lot different than what I just read. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thought. Yeah. Yeah. All these things you're saying are you know, absolutely true. Yeah. I totally agree with them. If I was asked to boil it down to two things that are wrong, I'd say one is it's Old Testament Judaism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm a new covenant Christian, man. I'm following Jesus. Christianity is apostolic. I'm following the apostles as they followed Christ and laid down the doctrine Christ wanted them to. And and this movement does not. Uh, second thing that's wrong with it, it's just historically bogus. Mm-hmm. I mean, do they really have a lineage that somehow goes back to Abraham? And yeah. can they trace that? Well, I didn't do a study on this, but no. Yeah. <laughs> You're like. I didn't do a study, but if I did, <laughs> yeah. and I already know the outcome. How could you? It's yeah. It, it's almost it's embarrassingly absurd. Yes. I mean, it, it would be so easily like uh, who could believe that? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, see that. Remember, we were talking Nathan offline about this. Yeah. Because my first thought is, well, the Jew Gentile reference, all the Jew and Gentile, no difference. Mm-hmm. In it. They have a pretty um, elaborate way mm-hmm. of explaining that away. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I would go to like Revelation five, you know, five yeah. nine. Yeah. What is it? They're praising Jesus. What? Sure. Some from every doesn't say Jew or Gentile. There, tribe, tongue, people, nation. Yeah. Which is one of the coolest pictures of the entire. That's Bible. awesome. Yeah. You know, just yeah. every culture, every skin color, every ethnic background. Just there are people worshiping Jesus Christ in awe of Him. Yeah. That's the. That's what all of history is moving towards. Yeah. You know, and it just. It's even, not hard to see. Even people like the Reverend James King, right, man, might be there. He might be there. Yes, he might. Uh, but I bet this, Steve, he'll be surprised to see you there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> with, with my ink, that's right. dipped in your. Dip. He might just <laughs> drop dead again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. Absolutely. Well, and I think too, um, you know, Greg, you've talked about this a lot in your sermons that any. Any religion, for lack of a better word, any any group of people that purports to be a group of faith, whenever they have anything in there that looks man-made, right. it's not the real deal. Mm. Right. You know, and you can take that to the bank. You look at mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the Islamic nation state, the mm-hmm. Muslims, and the worship of Allah. There's a lot of stuff that you look at and read in the Quran yeah. that is just male Yes. It, 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 it just, oh, it's yeah. male-centered. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, 72 virgins at your yeah. proposal. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder who came up <laughs> with that. I know. I mean, it's yeah. 
fingerprints of human male invention. <laughs> yeah. Not hard to see. Yeah. And so whenever you get that, you know, you always look at the Bible and the Bible is just so distinctly counterintuitive to what we want to do and oh. what we want in our nature. Isn't when it sweet? tells us yeah. that when, when we know in ourselves that we want to hate our enemies – you know, forget our friends, but we want to hate our enemies. The Bible tells us that no, no, no. You need to love them, um, and yeah. you need to show Christ's love to them. Yeah. Um, so anything that you know tells you to hate other people, anything that tells you, you know, that feeds on what is natural yeah. in yourself, uh, you can probably take to the bank. It's not worth its weight in salt. Yeah, yeah and we've talked about that, Nathan. It is the. I mean, I'm careful how I say it, but I I just picture a group of college kids sitting around with a bong. <laughs> and they're like, hey, hey, dude, let's invent a religion, man. The right. guy takes the first hit. And he's like, how about, like, when you die, you get, like, two gorgeous virgin girls at, that, at your disposal. And then the next guy takes the hit. Dude, dude, 10, man. Ten. <laughs> the bong ran out at 72. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of like, there it is. I yeah. mean, it is it is so obvious. And I think, yeah, that does apply. Whenever you've got things to tie into Obviously, you know, we've talked about racism before on this mm-hmm. podcast. We believe it's real. Right. Uh, I, I believe it still exists. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how we, we couldn't. Um, you, you see it in the primary season right now mm-hmm. with Trump being asked to denounce David Duke and, and all this kind of stuff. So the, those concerns are always going to be hovering out mm-hmm. there in our culture, and we should have a Christian response to it. But when your religion seems almost tailor-made mm-hmm. to exist for such a time as this, yeah. meaning culturally – does seem a little where's the transcendence yeah the timelessness of the message that would apply to a 13th century peasant chinese farmer right uh as opposed to a 21st century manhattan businessman like in christianity is that faith yeah that that speaks to all cultures of all times and and gives the one hope so yeah amen sorry dudes i kind of went into preaching mode no, good pull me back <laughs> preaching pull me back um, so our next question, um, actually, and we'll probably spend uh, most of our time talking about this specific one, uh, comes from uh, Colin Zirk. Um, and Colin wants to know what is the scripturally acceptable way to worship God in church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he he's said he's been struggling with this. For a while now, um, you know, you see, I mean, you, you can look at some of the bigger churches, Elevation, where, you know, they basically put on a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at uh, other churches that are more conservative, they're more liturgical. Um, you have, we're going to get into Andy Stanley, oh, but yeah. you have super mega churches. And then you have backwoods country churches that, you know, will never peak at more than 100 people. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, um, that's Steve Hartland's church. Sort of the snake you know, handling. Since, I was gonna, I was gonna say since we started the snake thing, yeah. attendance has just like <laughs> stopped. I was gonna say, man, yeah. it, it, it's very motivating uh-huh. for people to. You really, but you gotta have faith, you, <laughs> dude. When you drank that strychnine <laughs> and your friend tried to drink this, I want to party with that. Oh, that's a movie or something. I'm, I'm wrong on that. Yeah, um, no, I saw that question that came in, and Colin, thank you. That's a great question. I know what Steve's thinking. Well, worship should be done. With the Trinity hymnal, right? The, Steve, <laughs> <laughs> can I ask? Is you that still wear a tie. Kind of the, what is the since that's your back? What is 
Is it the Trinity hymnal? Is that the approved Reformed Baptist hymnal? Yes. Okay, because I've seen it in a few other churches, yes. too. Some Reformed Baptist churches are singing other songs now, like the Getty music oh, or whatever. Oh, my but, you know, Really busting out. Wow. Um, but uh, that that's in the more conservative groups, that is it. You sing from the Trinity hymnal the Trinity and nothing hymnal. else, and with piano only. Yeah. Piano is the God-approved instrument. It says right. that in Scripture. It says it. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> yes. it. Now, you, you have to know the original Hebrew well um, <laughs> to, to see that, but if you see it, it's there. It's there, piano. <laughs> wow. Um, yes. Another great question. Yeah. I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this, Steve, because as we've said before, <laughs> you know, Steve's been a man who's been through, he and his church, quite a journey, moving from a much more uh, conservative, uh, traditional, traditional, can I say, Steve, legalistic? Yeah, you can say. Yeah, okay. I'll sign on to that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sort of church culture. I was a purveyor of legalism. Yes, to something incredible. We did it well, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be a legalist, do it, right? If you're going to do, do it, it brother. Style. We did it. <laughs> but, I mean, where you guys are now in Trinity um, is, uh, of course, uh, is an 829 church uh, uh, associated with 829, right? Is that how yes. you would say it? Yes. Very different culture. Yes. Steve, because you're a very different man. Delightfully different culture. Yes. So I'd uh, love to hear you kind of start waxing on this question of what what is the worship service? What should it look what's like? What's the approved thing? Huh? Yes. Oh, I love this question. I absolutely love it. Um, I would like to answer, uh, and this is, not, uh, this is not dodging the issue. I'm serious about this. I think the answer, the best answer I could come up with is uh, that worship which is in spirit and in truth yeah. is the right worship. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a whole lot of different forms. It's going to wear a whole lot of different color shirts. And I, I think it's wonderful that Scripture does not impose on us one form. Yeah. Well, you have to have the, you have to be like Elevation Church, or you're not real worship. Or you have to be like Tim Keller's church, or you have to be like the Snake Handlers. Uh, I, I think that uh, you know, who am I to say the Spirit was wise? Of course, the Spirit's wise. The Holy Spirit wisely left the question of what form wide open. So there are very few forms imposed upon us in Scripture. There are a few. Would yeah. you agree that, like, when we gather for worship, generally there's supposed to be, I won't say every single time there has to be, but generally there's supposed to be Scripture reading, there should be prayer, there should be singing of uh, songs that have the Word of Christ dwelling in them richly, there's supposed to be preaching of the Word. You could probably also offer, uh, argue for offerings, mm-hmm. for announcements, which come in at the end of some of the epistles, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, right, you know, right. just, just are necessary yeah. for human groups. Uh, so those things are all going to be present, but what they look like, like he mentioned elevation, so we're probably referring to music mm-hmm. and worship styles. Um, there's room in Scripture for infinite variety on that question, and there ought to be infinite variety because what worship's going to develop like on the steps of Upper Mongolia is going to be very different than what worship's going to develop like in Manhattan, New York City. Right. Mm. So th- there ought to be great variety, and you visit one place, and it's not at all like the other place. Praise God for that. So yes. that'd be my answer. Is right. It just depends on the place. And I'm, I'm uh, very accepting of a lot of different, all kinds of different worship mm-hmm. styles. Yeah. Like for example, this, this is going to really irk some people who <laughs> who know me, but uh, I'm pretty sure I could go to Elevation Church. Uh huh. I could be there. Yeah. Now there are a few things I'd rather see different there, but but I, I could be there. I could certainly be there with their worship style. Sure. There might be some things in their preaching style I'd like to change a little mm-hmm. bit. Sure. But uh, wouldn't wouldn't bother me at all. I could be somewhere very traditional, like Tim Keller's church is more traditional. Their yeah. Sunday mornings are very traditional and stuff. I could be there, be very happy because it doesn't matter. Right. 
What matters is, are we worshiping in spirit and in truth? And are those few scriptural elements that we just mentioned present? Then, then I'm happy. Yeah. Basically, I want to know about a church. Let's take Elevation Church. And so I've heard friends of mine say, well, he's a heretic. He's a heretic. Well, I, I don't want you to throw that word around easily. Yeah. Um, I want to look at their doctrinal statement. Mm-hmm. I want to look at Stephen Furtick's own personal doctrinal statement. And I haven't, but I bet it's sound as to the fundamentals of the faith. Like mm-hmm. I, ble- I bet he believes in inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture, deity of Christ, virgin birth, substitutionary atonement, salvation by grace through faith. You know what? That means he's on my team, and mm-hmm. I'm on his team. We're on the same team because mm-hmm. we agree with the core doctrines of the Christian faith, and we agree with the mission, which is to lead a lot of people to Christ and see their lives changed to glorify God and bless themselves and so on. Um, I'm on the same mission with him, so I don't want to be like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that church. They're different and so on. No, that's the same team. Yeah, They're just worshiping in different ways and different styles. Yeah, I also, going a little bit more, I like the fact that in a given city, you will find all kinds of different styles and emphases. And one church might be doing a way better job, like Elevation Church, might be doing a way better job at reaching new people and bringing them in to hear the word and bringing them to faith in Christ. But maybe not such a great job at maturing them. I don't know if that's fair. They might be doing a lot to mature people, mm-hmm. too. Um, whereas another church in town is way better at, let's say, you know, like biblical teaching and whatever. And the saints tend to circulate. They get started in one church, and then they, do, <laughs> yeah. they migrate over here, and they end up in that one. I've never seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're speaking yeah, of. What are you talking about? And I think that's a beautiful thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. And rather than throwing rocks at each other, well, you're just this church that's bringing them in. Well, you're just this church that's just teaching. We ought to say, you know what? This is teamwork in our city. It's great. It's beautiful. And the Lord has raised this up. So here's a church raking them in. Here's a church maturing them. Bless the Lord. I want to be happy for all the above. Yeah. As you were talking, Steve, I just I pulled up Elevation Statement of Faith. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, I'll read a snippet or two on uh, the Bible. Uh, is their first one? The Bible is God's word to all people. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, because it was inspired by God, the Bible is truth without any mixture of error and is completely relevant to our daily lives. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I did, a pretty I, good I that statement, statement right I there. A statement, and I think they, they've got. And a that's good on one. scripture, man. That's sound. Yeah, on on the Trinity, and then they've got uh, their salvation statement is. Um, the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross provides the only way of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. Salvation occurs when people place their faith in the death and resurrection of Christ as sufficient payment for their sin. Salvation is a gift from God, and it cannot be earned through their own efforts. I mean, Martin Luther would sign that. I was going to say, we could nitpick it uh, and say, well, I would say this. I might have a little mm-hmm. more emphasis on regeneration, preceding, mm-hmm. uh, transformation, repentance, however. But I'm saying, come on. You look at that. It's not much yeah. different than CFC statement yeah. uh, where, where I serve. Uh, real quick take on Furtick. I'm learning about Furtick. Yeah, he he's not a go-to guy for me. Yeah, same um, here. Because I I think probably to me he's a a 21st century sort of evolved, more seeker sensitive type of guy. That's kind of obvious. But I, I'm with him. I I've, I would view him. Everything I've ever seen is that he is on our team. Yeah. Um, me too. Here's what clarifies. So it, for it really me. irks me when some friends of mine were calling him a heretic. A heretic. Yeah. That I mean, really that, ticks me off. You really got to use Come that on. term carefully yeah. if you want to say it's uncharitable. If you want to say uh, he's biblically uh, lacking or, yeah. or and explain that his sermon style is not what we desire. Yeah. yeah we we can have that conversation because we're going to get into Andy Stanley. But I know more about Andy Stanley. Um, and again, he's certainly not the carbon copy of me, but I like a lot about Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, with with Furtick and his approach, 
again, it's different, but I've, I've never heard of anything that I would consider heresy. Um, yes. And I just tend to think, uh, man, we got guys in our area, Steve, that pastor friends that, yeah, they play by a different playbook, but I said, but they're all on the same team. Here's when it, when it, it hits brass tacks for me. When I think of a, of a guy who's an unbeliever, a family member, if I were to hear, hey, Greg, he started going to Elevation. He started going to such and such church. He started going to Rick Warren's church. W- whatever it is, whatever sort of the, the non-clear, <laughs> reformed, exegetical uh, Bible exposition church is, I, I can tell, thank you, Lord, that they are hearing about Christ and I think in Orthodox Church context, yeah, that's when it clarifies it for me. Now, if I heard they were going to a Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall, yeah, all different. Yeah, the most I could celebrate is, Lord, maybe he's showing some spiritual interest, and I can capitalize on that. <laughs> but there's nothing about what he's hearing there specifically that I'm excited mm-hmm. about. So that always clarifies it. I'll ask a person. Let me ask you a question. Tell me something in your life right now. It's lost. Uh, is it? Is it your brother? Is it your spouse? Is it a parent? A child? If you heard they were going to this guy's church. And excited about it, how would you feel, man? Would you would you really hold no sense of anticipation and joy? That might be indicating yeah, he's on my team, uh, and we've got a lot of intramural squabbles. I'd like to sit down with them on, but he, he's on my team. So I actually, Nathan, don't know much about the style at Elevation. Am I guessing it's high level, highly produced, highly polished? Yeah, worship. Music? Yeah, yes. you have some friends there. Yeah, actually, family. Family, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, before it became Elevation as it is now, they yeah. were going there. Uh, okay. You know, it's it's a lot of, like you said, it's highly produced. It's that, highly you produced. know. that's what I was Yeah, saying. it's yeah. that, you know, background stage production where, you know, every time there's a new series, there's a new background going on. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, the, the music is, you know, hopping and jumping and rocking, and they literally, as you walk in the door, they're handing you earplugs. Are they uh, really? Yeah. Are they? Oh, yeah. Well, going to get yeah. loud. Literally, huh? as you're walking in the door, they're handing <laughs> I you I like that, plugs. man. I like loud well, music. Uh, I was going to – I do. never heard that. That's incredible. Uh, wow. So, you know, that 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 would be um, – that that's <laughs> – yeah, that's elevation. Wow. Um, you know, versus, you know, again, that small country, mm-hmm. you know, backwater church, which, you know um, – and, and I think a lot of times – you you almost tend to see those things going hand in hand, and maybe uh-huh. it has to do with the budget. You know, a church like Elevation can afford, you know, every quarter to change their background and scenery right. to something new and different. Where you know the church that's you know only pulling in a hundred members, right. you know, in its entire lifetime, uh, isn't going to be able to do that. Yeah, the most you can do there is get good PowerPoint slides. That's right. That's maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, or and, the, or an overhead projector, right? And, and see royalty free <laughs> images. <laughs> Don't you dare. Pay like eight dollars for a picture That's for a right. background man. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I ask? Since we're on this worship topic, I know we've gotten a little bit away from Colin's question. Thanks, Colin, though, for it. We will come back to it. Um, we've talked before, Steve, about the regulative principle. Now, I I have a PCA background, so I knew much about the regulative principle in that context. That was kind of what you swam in for much of your pastoral ministry. Yes. And I'm wondering. I bet some people probably think that. Listen, I don't know what the regulative principle mm-hmm. is. Attempted defining it, and then we could talk about how this relates. All right, uh, the regulative the regulative principle of worship, and I never even liked that term because I can't pronounce it. Yeah, I know. Um, but but also it just sounds so scary, doesn't yeah. it? The regulative principle. <laughs> it does. 
can we come up with a fresher name if we're going to hold to that thing? Yes. Um, but what it amounts to is uh, in, in corporate worship, you are only allowed to do what is expressly um, prescribed, prescribed yeah. in Scripture. Thank you. So you can't make up other elements. They would be strange fire. They would be dishonoring to God. Uh, so on. So what would be an other element? They would say something like uh, dance uh-huh. would be another element. You're introducing strange fire. A drama. Uh, a drama would uh, be another video element. Video clip or yes. something, yeah. Yeah. So personally, I think the regulated principle, and I thought this as a Reformed Baptist pastor holding that regulated principle, I think it makes a lot of noise over nothing. Mm-hmm. That is to say, most churches in the U.S., you know what they do? They gather and they read scripture and they pray and mm-hmm. they preach and they sing sacred songs and they give their offerings and they go home. Yes. Most churches aren't dancing. I guess there are some. I might go there. I like dancing. Um, <laughs> my wife really likes dancing. Yes. Uh, most churches are uh, are doing those things. So somehow, Reformed Baptists had the impression that by the regulative principle, we are also proving that you should only use the Trinity hymnal and sing songs from the 1600s to a piano. Hmm. And the regulative principle does not get you there. Right. All the regulative principle gets you to is when you gather, you should have you know singing, praying, preaching, preach the word, sing the word, observe the word, baptism, communion. I yeah. should have mentioned those things. Um, so uh, the regulative principle wore out pretty early yeah. for me in my Reformed Baptist experience because I thought it's a lot of noise. Like all those other churches out there don't hold to the regulative principle. Guess what? They're worshiping the same way you are, right. same elements you are. So what's right. all the business about? Yeah, it is interesting how so many times, I mean, the joke about the non-denominational church, you guys probably heard, I may have said it before, you, you know how to get a tradition going in a non-denominational church. You, you, you do the same thing two weeks in a row, <laughs> and then you formed your tradition in uh-huh. the church. I mean, it, CFC, where I serve, and Nathan, you worship, mm-hmm. I mean, we're a contemporary style church mm-hmm. worship-wise, uh, probably very similar to Trinity. Uh, in that, you know, Steve and I have preached at each other's churches, but it's, um, I mean, <laughs> I was in the PCA for years and years, and it, it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think part of it, Steve, is we, we worship, let's be honest, in a very Western American way. Mm-hmm. And the regular principle to me did just, and John Frame, I mean, we, we could have asked him when we had him, we get him back on, um, has come under some fire yes. because of his application of the regular principle. He kind of re- de- he redefines it a bit, too. Yes, so which, which I like. I, yes, I always thought, me too. Dude, what what I haven't liked, and I'm sorry to offend any listeners, please convince me on this. I'll invite you to, to do that. I, I've always been uncomfortable with the hammer of the regulative principle. I'm like, uh, dude, that's not in the Bible. Yes. I understand it's a theological construct. They work real hard to get it out of the Bible. Right. I mean, it's kind of like you're hitting me with something the way you would say, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just am always uncomfortable with it. And I'd rather have, to me, a more common sense. What would Scripture say about this? Yes. Uh, what would Scripture say about that? And then there are issues where, okay, it doesn't address video clips. So can we have some honest conversation about common sense? Yes. Tradition. I mean, Amen, you know, Wesley and the Methodists had that more. I think it's the quadrilineal where they had what um, scripture, reason, tradition, and experience kind of as a grid, a filter through which to talk about these issues, what a worship service should look like. I, I kind of dig that if scripture is primary, mm-hmm. but, you know, reason, tradition, experience, ha- those are important. Mm-hmm. See, I started asking myself if the regulative principle exists. 
and if it's important, uh, why didn't Paul teach it to the Galatians? Because they needed it. Well, it's a great point. Why didn't he, why didn't he put it in Romans? Because they needed it. Why didn't yeah. he teach it to the Corinthians? They really needed it. <laughs> right. They were a little bit crazy. Uh, would the Apostle Paul even recognize it? Well, he wouldn't know the terminology, but if we explained it to him, here's what we mean by the regulated principle. Would he have said, oh, yeah, that, that, I teach that everywhere? Right. Well, we never see him teach it anywhere. Yeah. So I don't think he'd recognize it. He'd say, where did you guys get that out of Scripture? <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Is that your girlfriend, your <laughs> <Yeah>. wife calling you? <laughs> That's my son that doesn't know I'm podcasting. <laughs> so. All right. Talk to him later. Yeah. Um, I, I agree, Steve. Shockingly, you and I agree. <laughs> That's so scary. Somebody said recently, hey, could you guys start disagreeing on yeah, something? Yeah, we need to. We need to come up <laughs> so, with some topics we really disagree we on. We do, man. What well, would that and be? I'll, I mean, I'll throw this in, in the mix because I, um, I, I'm not as loose. Like, I would not be comfortable in elevation. No. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing... I don't, I don't think any of my family listens to the podcast. <laughs> and if they do, I really don't care. So. I love you guys. But. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and here, here's the thing. And, and because before my family moved from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina to Virginia, that's where they went regularly, all, all the members of the family. Um, and, and there were some things that um, we would discuss. And I, I can appreciate because, – because the parents' focus was always – well, at least we're getting our kids to go to church. Mm. And and I just, I would scratch my head and be like, if you're only, and we're actually, this is going to kind of lead into Andy, Andy Stanley's mm-hmm. yes, thing. Just that. Um, so if your only focus is to get your children into church, mm-hmm. that opens up a whole world of stuff that you don't want to get into. I think there needs to be some more sound discernment as believers. Now, uh, to your point, Greg, I think you're right. I think if I had friends who weren't believers mm-hmm. um, and they told me, hey, yeah, we're going to Elevation or we're going to this church or that church, mm-hmm. churches that I don't necessarily – I wouldn't go to myself. Sure. But but you know what? Yeah, for somebody who's just getting into it, mm-hmm. by all means, and then hopefully discipleship can come along and we can dialogue about some of the things that they're hearing and, and have those discussions. For a mature believer, to your to your point, Steve, elevation does seem to be a lot more seeker friendly. And now I do know for a fact that they do have Bible studies that go on and, right, that's and ways that the they depth. can disperse and, and get that depth and yeah. things like that. Um, which which I think is um, is good and interesting. My issue is if every Sunday behind the pulpit is seeker friendly. That's where I begin to scratch my head and go, okay, I, I get your point, but isn't there a way you can still go deep and reach people? Um, uh, you know, those who are already mature um, and, and, you know, not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Isn't there a way to be seeker friendly and still go deep, still go into the scripture? Um, and, you know, I've always hated that term anyway, seeker right. friendly. What does that really mean? You know, we're, we're not supposed to be a place where people are jumping through the doors to come to us as believers. We're supposed to be running out to get the people. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's what gets you into attractional, missional right. church discussions and that sort of thing. And yeah, I mean, I would say, Nathan, to you, I mean, you know, this is more for the benefit of our audience. And mm-hmm. I think, Steve, you're in a similar place that I, I've always felt that... I'm going to try and be unlike you, whatever good, you're good. about to say. You're going to totally disagree. <laughs> yes, that's right. I believe in the, the, the wedding of the two. We, we uh, wedding, not wedding, like bed wedding. D, D, <laughs> not T, T. Um, I believe... <laughs> 
<laughs> have you been having problems no, with something? But yeah, that's a whole other podcast, man. I uh, <laughs> I'm punch drunk already. Oh. I um, when when we you know do our little get acquainted for people that are new to the church, right. and we we cut, we go over some basics. It's one of the points to make early on is look, there has been for a long time in the church culture sort of a choose your own adventure mentality with the church. You can have the church that has biblical depth mm-hmm. that's going to teach out the word. They're going to be a little more theologically defined. Um, in our parlance, probably we might say reformed. Um, uh, but in um, other churches, they're going to be secret sensitive. They're going to be maybe a mile wide, an inch deep. Um, so one is uh, incredibly, uh, their, their battle cry is biblical fidelity. Mm-hmm. And the other is culturally accommodating mm-hmm. in, in an evangelistic hold out the gospel way. So I'm, I'm putting them both positively. Mm-hmm. And we've always said we don't believe they have to be mutually exclusive. Right. I would say I think it's easier if you choose one or the other from a church leadership Probably standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I love, Steve, I don't know about you, the adventure of trying to marry both. Trying to do both. Trying, like we preach expositionally. We're, we're finishing up Second Peter. Later on, we're going to go into to, uh, to Judges. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some topical series in between. I always believe that God's word is relevant, mm-hmm. even to the unbeliever, even when you're in an obscure passage. I think the preacher has to work a little harder. Yes. To kind of tell people, hey, let me tell you what's going on here. Let me give you some kind right. of, um, you know, uh, roadmap and background context to what's yeah. going on. So uh, that's that's just where where that's what I'm sure. compelled to do. And I think, but Steve, you can't disagree with that. Can I've you? got to disagree with you somehow. Oh, here. good, good. <laughs> D- Dutcher's wrong. Good, um, good. The truth is exactly what he said. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I, you know, ideally. And this is what we've been attempting to do. We want to do both. We, we want to see lots of people come to Christ, and we want to see lots of people grow and change by the gospel. Yeah. Um, we want to have biblical fidelity and depth. We want to be uh, accessible to people who are not yet in Christ. Um, practically speaking, it's hard to do. It is. And you were saying earlier, um, maybe you didn't say exactly this, churches that focus on one or the other seem to do better at it. Yeah, so no, I think that's fair. So this is why I'm not complaining that there is a more of a secret church like Verdict's Church. Now, I'll just since we're on him again, I, I mentioned <laughs> him again. I'll just say uh, uh, their worship style I have no problem with. Even the highly um, professional, you know, stage props and, uh-huh. the, and the band and so on, I have no problem with that. In fact, as a church gets larger, it has to be more and more polished. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. A smaller church doesn't have to be because good old boys are there. We know each other and we all like it. And, and you know, when Aunt Emma sang and she warbled, we don't mind because we all love her. That's not going to work in a larger church where you don't know Aunt Emma. Right. Um, so I, I'm fine with them being more professional. As to preaching style, however... That would be my biggest problem being at Elevation. I've listened a lot to Stephen Furtick. He's an amazing guy. He's really smart. He has amazing talent at crafting messages he does. that really appeal to people and keep your interest riveted every word. Yeah, he's his, a great communicator. speaking sure. style yeah. is really great. But I always ask myself, is his preaching anything like what Paul's preaching would have been like. Biblical Christianity is apostolic. Mm-hmm. Is he is his preaching anything like what Peter's, what John's even? Let's just go John, all right? You know, who said love one another, little children, just love one another. Still, when you read first, second, third John, would Stephen Furtick have ever written first, second, third John? Would he ever write Romans? Would he ever write Galatians? And I kind of think not. Yeah, I, I, I so that troubles me. I'd be inclined. I'd rather see that we have, you know apostolic type biblical theologian pastors who also are quite savvy at knowing how to reach people, yeah. bring them in. 
Uh, there, there was a book written about the Apostle Paul. Oh, what's the author's name? You'll know it probably. It's called Paul, Missionary Theologian. Hmm. I don't remember that book. I, I love that title, man. Missionary Theologian. Yeah. Paul was first a missionary. Yeah. Not many pastors today are. We're more like, I'm a Bible teacher. I agree. Paul was a missionary. He was out there reaching people, and he wasn't happy if he wasn't reaching people. He was preaching the gospel and baptizing and planting churches, but he was also a theologian. Yeah. He was both. Yeah. I'd like to see us be both if we wow. can be. Steve, stop. It's too convicting. I, I, it's, uh, I don't want to think about stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me a softball question. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? That's Something right. like that, man. Uh, no, actually, good, we, Steve. we are... Um, we are winding down. On wow! Time. I just, yeah, are I just, really? took, I just exactly. took a look at the time, and that's amazing. I wasn't even really paying yeah. attention. Of course, so. the audience says, "Yeah, you're done, right, man? <laughs> <laughs> Get We're about, like having the time of our lives." About lives, twenty but... minutes too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do we have it, time to hit Andy Stanley or no? Um, as I sit here and think about this, I'm weighing down more time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and, and maybe take um, because his his, his yeah, essential argument is is the size of a church. Uh-huh. Um, and whether or not, you know, if you're in a smaller church, um, just to kind of sum this up, um, Greg, what's, what's a, um, good link to go to, to look up, um, the notes. Wow. Um, <laughs> you're putting, uh, Christianity today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, uh, if you just Google Christianity today, Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. maybe do the search, you know, on the far right search tools mm-hmm. do last week, you'll see it. It's yeah. right there. This morning, I just Googled Andy Stanley Small Churches. And you found And I got the video. It's now down. They took it down since this morning. Uh, well, really? I, I looked for it this afternoon about 3 or 4 there, o'clock, huh? and it was wow. every place I saw it was down. <laughs> which, which to to, uh, to to back up here for any yeah. listeners that, that don't know about it, uh, let me read a quick excerpt because I, I wanted to play the audio from the video, guys. Mm. And as I said, I couldn't. Steve heard it today. And the quick excerpt, let me pull this up. Um, is Andy Stanley, and this is what he says. He says, now this is one reason we build big churches. People say, why do you have to make them so big? Let me tell you why we make them so big. You probably didn't know this. It's kind of an insider secret. We want churches to be large enough so that there are enough middle schoolers and high schoolers that we don't have one youth group with middle school and high school together. We want there to be so many adults that there will be so many middle school and high school kids that we can have two separate environments. So when I hear adults say, quote, well, I don't like a big church. I like about 200. I want to be able to know everybody. I say, you are so stinking selfish. (laughs) You care nothing about the next generation. You care nothing about you and your five kids. You don't care about your kids, anybody else's kids. And you say, what's up? I'm saying, if you don't go to a church large enough where you can have enough middle schoolers and high schoolers to separate them so that they can have small groups and grow up the local church, you are a selfish adult. Get over it. Find yourself a big old church uh, where your kids can connect with a bunch of people and grow up and love the local church. Instead, what you do, can you tell I'm passionate about this? He says, here's what what you do. I'm so sick of this. I hear this all the time. Well, I just don't like a big church. So here's what you do. You drag your kid to a church that they hate, and they grow up to hate the local church, and then they go off to college, and you know what you pray for. You pray there will be a church in their college town that they will connect with. And guess what? All of those churches are big. It's the kind of church you don't like. So let me move on. Parents, don't attend a church that teaches your children to hate church. Don't attend a church that teaches your children to hate church. 
and that went off like an atom bomb. I got to commend him. He, he he turned right around and came online and said, I don't even like what I said. It was I, stupid. I, I so, was just going to so, say thank you, Steve. You know, uh, here's an internationally known pastor who came right out and said, I was a jerk. I'm sorry. A very specific apology. Yes. A very specific apology. Very open. Very yeah. good. So and, um, I like that. And, you know, he did say that he hopes his 20, 30-plus years of preaching and teaching can be weighted against a five-minute regrettable comment or two. I, I, I'm going to shake it up a little bit here, Nathan, even though we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. See, th- th- this will keep the system. I want to shake it up, too. There's something I really like about what well, he said. Is that where you're going? Same here, oh, Steve. no. Actually, not the same thing. Actually, before I saw the apology. Okay, all caveats out. Man, it, of course, and it's, I've said so many dumb things preaching, and you guys say amen. Um, so many things I've said that, 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 are, that are horrible. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not picking on him for this. Yes, there were some dumb things that he said, and I don't. He has already very eloquently said, yes. "I wish I never said those Pointed things." Them out. I mean, obviously, it almost makes church planting near impossible uh, unless you are literally the sort of sectioned off very large section of a super mega church yes. that already starts with four or five, six hundred people. Like he got to do. Like he was with, able with to do. a couple thousand people which that he stole from his father's church. That his father's <laughs> church went to go with it. So it was a little bit historically blind to his own experience, um, which of course wasn't in his mind when he was saying it. Um, it came across very negative on small churches. Uh, it came across very negative on pastors and Sunday school workers and parents. just members, parents of small churches. And, and it, it was not a good Andy Stanley moment. But, and I'm wondering, Steve, if we had the same takeaway. I bet we did. I have grown weary. I'm with you, brother. With people Preach it now. that come, come on. in and say, I like it to be really yes. small. I, For it, me, it is here's what so I want. Sickeningly. Me, me, I, I, I. Consumerism. I want. I, yes. I, I, I. Here's what I like. Here's what I like. I don't care what you like. It's like I don't. I don't care what I like. Yes. I care what's good for the gospel. What's good for the go- what's good for the people that we want to and I will say I want to know if sometimes people I've actually heard people say it even one step further like, "Oh, I don't want us to get any bigger." Hmm. I'm like, "So what would, you, what would you have done in Acts chapter 4? Yeah, we're, we're going to stay here. We're going to li- we're going to let evangelism happen in other places. Yeah, we can't reach anymore. Church. Sorry. And my sense is that what Stanley was going after Mm-hmm. And I, because I, I, I applaud I, that. I, I applaud it too, because that sense of consumerism, that selfishness, is maddening. I want. I like it when it's like this, mm-hmm. and it is so American. People describe the church the way we describe restaurants and movies, and I, and I think that's what all his passion was I about at this I point right here. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really mean to like bag on little churches. No, he I, was bagging on people who were selfish. Yeah. I agree with him. I agree. Which can happen we in a big church. We agree again, Greg. Know, this is awful, oh, man. Dude, I know. I mean, when he says, you know, go to a big old church, it's almost like let those little churches wither yeah, up and die. No, forget that. And I can't believe a man like Andy, who I do believe, again, yeah. knows the Lord like, on our team. Don't take your kids to a little church. Is going to say it. that. And I would say, personal experience, I've got a 17-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old, and we're up you know, 300, 350 mm-hmm. size small to medium church um i don't have regrets you know mm-hmm. they have friendships here yep. um you know I, I i do think he put too much stock in the middle school high school thing maybe but again his his more visceral point to me was a pastor that has gotten tired of the consumeristic mm-hmm. clamoring that is true of small medium and huge yes, churches i'm with him and i think he was going after it. people coming in our doors all the time i want i want i want yeah 
I wish they'd come in and say, what's best for the gospel in Harford County? Yeah. Which worship style would appropriately locate us so we reach the most people? Yeah. Like, our music is not at all what I would want. Right. Who right. cares what I want? Right. Our music is what we think is best for Harford County and the people we're hoping to reach. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Did we handle that all right, Nathan? Did we did. go too far? No, you did. And yeah. There we we're, go. We're running low on time and... uh we're under an hour, so we're going to go ahead and sign off before we reach the hour. It was fun, man. Guys, we just rocked the Casper. Rocked it. These go to 11. <laughs>